This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, you're listening to Live and Learn with me, Dashran Johan. TheSkinProject.org is a new, newly launched website that is collating information and resources on fighting human trafficking in Malaysia. Now, interestingly, the site is developed by Terry and the Cuz, a theatre company that staged Skin, which was an immersive performance that highlighted true stories of human trafficking back in 2016. But why did the theatre company decide to launch a website focused on fighting human trafficking? Joining me on the show is Govin Rubin. He's the director of Terry and the cars. Welcome to the show, Govin. How are you? Fine, thank you. And how are you, Darshan? I'm doing good as well. Um, I guess let's start with the basics, Govin. What is the Skin Project? Well, the Skin Project is actually a three-part project that is an interactive website, uh, immersive gallery, and experiential show uh, that encompasses all the components of Skin. Uh, which is the show we made in 2016 about uh, based on true stories about human trafficking. So um, the first part which we're about to talk today is the launch of the interactive website, which is part one of the Skin Project. Obviously, the site is also housed at theskinproject.org. So how did it go from that? Because, um, you know, it was a very uh, acclaimed production. Y'all did um, Skin in 2016. How did that, that idea then evolve into now this, this website and what y'all are doing, you know, this three-parter? Yeah, so the thing about Skin was when we made the work, we approached the Naganita, we spoke about what's happening in Malaysia, and we wanted to create a work that would, you know, create awareness. But ultimately, the skin is not a work about human trafficking. Mm. It's based on stories about human trafficking, but it's a work about privilege, about the privilege that you and I have as people who have agency. And Mm -hmm. what the skin does is it takes away uh, your agency and throws you through this performance that you then are quite disturbed and provoked by that when you come out, you want answers and then the human rights organization are there to sort of answer your question. So that was kind of how we created dialogue to create awareness about what was happening in KL. Um, Of course, the model for that work was then to travel to each city uh, around the world and we would then work with local NGOs there. Now, this was easier said than done because we worked with the Naganita for two years before making the first work, but then suddenly this two-year process had to be streamlined into two months, sometimes two weeks in different cities. And we found it harder to engage with organizations who had no idea where this was coming from. Mm. Nevertheless, we successfully managed to do shows in Melbourne, in Bendigo, and in Adelaide. Uh, And eventually, the NGOs really got kind of into the project. But, you know, we felt like we needed to find a better way to do it. Um, And, yeah, and then fortunately or unfortunately, COVID hit. Mm. And the idea of spending... 60 minutes inside a shipping container with 60 other people was the furthest thing you could think about, uh, that we decided that if this project is about creating awareness, if this project is about getting people to understand their culpability in how human trafficking happens in their city and how they actually contribute to it, then we thought we need something that is much easier to access. And um, COVID provided the opportunity for us to reset, rethink and reframe. And the idea of creating an interactive website came about. 
Right. Let's talk that. Talk about that a little bit more because you know some might wonder. You know, looking at y'all, y'all are a theatre production company. You're in the performing arts scene. So some might wonder what is a theatre company? Um, you know, going diving into this realm for this realm of you know think, uh, creating content about you know combating human trafficking and, and so on and so forth. Now y'all are launching a website. So why did y'all go down this this path? So I think um, the arts in general, has always been um, society's sounding board. Mm. Um, You know, I think it was Churchill who said, if not for the arts, what are we fighting for? (laughs) I think um, the arts mirror our society and good artists uh, often want to tell a story or tell stories that need to be told. For us in 2016, that just happened to be about human trafficking in KL because of one or two very personal things that happened to Terry and myself that we realized someone needs to talk about this. Mm. So that's kind of why we decided to tell a story about human trafficking. And the key word there is story. And stories can be told in multiple forms and multiple genres. We have made works in comedy. We've made works in dance. We've made works in public art installation. So the idea of crossing over onto the digital sphere wasn't that hard. Uh, It was actually just finding a really strong narrative structure, um, looking at existing websites about human trafficking and going, what are they doing wrong? I mean, most of the sites you will find, whether it's the UNHCR site or any site, is kind of like a Wikipedia info page that you only go there if you want to know and then if you know what you're looking for. But when you're trying to create something that is interactive or trying to get people to sort of engage with it, we kind of needed to go at it a different way. So it's very similar to telling a story. And um, yeah, so instead of sound designers and lighting designers and costume designers, we worked with gaming developers, graphic illustrators, right. and web designers. And it's it was very similar to making a theater show. It was just online, and each scene was a different page on the on the website and um, each click was like a cool line or a funny dialogue that you would write and kind of where it would take people. Earlier you mentioned Tanaga Nita. Could you expand on that a little bit? Um, what are some of the NGOs that y'all worked, uh, worked with or are currently working with and how has their partnership contributed to the making of this website? So it was a chicken and the egg thing, right? Because mm. um, we so obviously, when we made Skin, we worked with Tanaganita for two years. So they were the original partner organization. We had two years worth of research that we had. Uh, when we wanted to make the website or go down this path of updating our research and um, you know, inputting it into the website, we decided that we needed to contact Tanaganita again, who obviously gave us their blessing. Um, but we also worked with independent consultants. Um, again, this is the thing with NGOs, they hardly have any time to do what they have to do. Right. So trying to dedicate time to a bunch of artists trying to make a website <laughs> is not part. So we had to engage an independent uh, consultant who used to work for Tanaganita and was the point person when we were researching the project in 2016, uh, Leva Sridharan. So hmm. Leva came on board um, as a project consultant. Uh, think about this as a dramaturg in a theatre show. So we had all the 
the research. Uh, she then broke down what was still relevant, what laws had changed and updated. So we then started to put a script like this page would be about this and this page would be about this and this page would be about this. And then she would go, all right, change this, change this, do right. this, so on and so forth. So we slowly started to build the site. There's a huge Google Doc and a Miro document that will showcase our process. Hopefully one day it'll be showcased <laughs> somewhere. And so the idea was that all of that happened and, you know, we pulled together what was draft one of the website around the middle of last year. From then on, we then decided that if this website was going to be truly representative of the situation in Kuala Lumpur, then we needed to get other NGOs to kind of take a look at it and say, hey, listen, this is something that we've made. Uh, do you want to engage and see if we've missed anything? Should we add anything? Should are some things irrelevant? And so we, and of course, we we asked three more NGOs to come on board. That was um, Project Liberate, um, North South Initiative, and Persatuan Sahabat Wanita Selangor. These were um, NGOs that then again was recommended by Liva that we approach, and and so we approached them, and they've basically you know, uh, with their themes, have kind of gone through the website, suggested a few edits, changing one or two things, rewording one or two things. And so that's how, you know, so in a way we presented them with a somewhat finished product that then they helped fine-tune. So ultimately, in a way, we, we got their input, but it was also in a in a very controlled environment so that it... It and you know, like a like a theater show or like any other project that you make in the arts, you have your story to tell or how you want to tell your story, and right. you get these sort of consultants to make sure that it's told properly, mm -hmm. without trying to again put too much information in. Right. And what this website does is it takes you right to the end, where if you want to know more, you can ask the experts, and then you can click and you can go, and then they can take it away. So, in a way, it's sort of like a junction that brings the user to a point that they can then decide where they want to turn off to, whether they want to find out more about Tanaganita or North South Initiative or Project Liberate or Persatuan Sahabat Wanita. Right. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. Could you share some examples of the types of resources and information that's available on the website? So people, you know, they, they type, you know, the skinproject.org, what will they see and then how do they maneuver all of that? So when you get to the site, um, you'll basically see this drawing of what we hope to be um, the bigger version of this work someday in the future. Um, there are three parts, but of course the immerse and uh, experience are not yet live because that is for a separate, the second and third part of the skin project. But the first one, which is interact, um, that's what you click on and it'll take you to a disclaimer page. Now, what this work really is about is about you and about how your everyday choices causes human trafficking in Kuala Lumpur. Right. Because if there's no demand, there's no supply. Mm -hmm. So what will happen once you sign on to the disclaimer and agree is you get asked five questions and the algorithm then works out based on your answers how you contribute to human trafficking in Kuala Lumpur. So it takes you to either the one in four topics or four um, branches of human trafficking that we decided to focus on, which is sex, construction, retail, and service industries. So these are the four industries that um, are prevalent. Not all, but we decided to focus on four, um, which will also tie into the other parts of the skin project. So 
and then you are then sucked into this labyrinth of which section of human trafficking you might contribute to, and then from there on, um, you can find out how things are happening, what are the myths, where things happen, who are the perpetrators, um, and then you know as you go down, you can find out. Um, in a pathfinding way, how people get trafficked to Kuala Lumpur, what is human trafficking, the description, um, find out who are the people preventing and enforcing um, against human trafficking. So, again, very important with understanding exactly what the Immigration Department can do and what they do to fight trafficking, understanding, understanding exactly uh, what the police can do and how they fight human trafficking. Because sometimes, if you know you can also hold these people accountable. So in a way, we wanted to create something that gives people the tools to understand or to see or to be aware about where things are happening, how it happens, and who is perpetrating it. And if we know, we hopefully can make better choices. Could you shed some light on, you know, some of the idea, uh, uh, you know, or the brainstorming that took place um, before you all arrived at this? Because I think some of the things or the way it is, um, you know, um, structured on the website and all, it's it could be very thought-provoking and powerful because, you know, you, you see everyday objects. I think there's something like, you know, even condoms mm. and how, you know, your pleasure is tied to, to human trafficking, right? Because mm. the hooves working in the factories and, and so on and so forth. You have things like that as as, as well. The original production, I mean, what kind of got us started um, on this original journey was um, basically we were in a bar in Damansara Utama, amazing bartender who didn't taste his own creations when he made these amazing cocktails because he was Muslim. So he always got somebody to taste his drinks. And, um, and then, you know, obviously... We started having a chat. How would you learn bartending? He thought, oh, I learned it from this guy. Oh, and, um, you know, and then what do you do before? He thought, oh, I used to work in construction. Oh, what do you do before construction? Oh, I was kind of sweeping underneath the bridge. Oh, how did you come to Malaysia? Oh, inside an oil barrel. I said, Sorry? And that was just talking right. to someone that could be your waiter, could mm-hmm. be your manicurist, could be... Uh, uh, a bartender at a bar, right? right? And we have a lot of these people in Kuala Lumpur. After that, when we said, we started going around asking more people and you'd be surprised to find out more than 70% had entered Malaysia without documents in some form or way that basically can be linked to trafficking. Mm -hmm. That's when we knew that this was a story that we wanted to tell. And then when we went and worked, uh, we approached Tanaganita and started working with them on the research, we started finding out these everyday things that just blew our minds, that things like these are the things that contribute to this, that, um, you know, the fish you buy in the market, Mm -hmm. the reason the prices are so low is because the fishing industry is the number one industry uh, when it comes to human rights abuses or one of the top industries when it comes because they just put people on the boat and they go out and, you know, whatever happens from the boat stays right. on the boat. We don't know. All we care about is why is the Siakap touring get more expensive today? <laughs> and, and, you know, and so those are the things that um, I think we want, you know, so human trafficking is not just sex trafficking. It's not just brothels. It's not just, you know, it's actually 
you buy fish, you buy condoms, you buy carpets, you buy a microwave, all of these things actually can be linked. And the idea is like, who do we talk to or what do we do and how can we be better uh, in making our choices? And that's why at the end, so that's exactly what we did with the project. When you go through the show and you are like, what's happening? How can this happen? And then you talk. So in a way, the dramaturgical structure is the same. You you get taken on a journey, mm -hmm. you arrive at the show, you get provoked by the show, and then you want to ask all these questions. And so the website kind of followed a very similar path. You answer questions, you see all these things, <laughs> and you go like, oh my God, I didn't know that happened. Who do I talk to? And then the NGOs are there again. Right. So, so it was... Um, Again, uh, an adaptation of the work. It's, it's how movies get adapted into video games mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. All right, let's go for a very quick break. On the show with me today is Govin Rubin. He's the director of Terry and the Cuz. After the break, we discuss the role, uh, we discuss a little bit more in the, about the role art plays in raising awareness about social issues. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dafran Johan and on the show with me today is Govin Rubin. He's the director of Terry and the Cuz. And we're talking about a new website that they launched, um, which is theskinproject.org, theskinproject.org. Um, and this website pretty much aims to be an interactive platform of information on basically fighting human rights trafficking in Malaysia, at least understanding, um, you know, how much human trafficking actually, you know, plays a role in your everyday life. Um, so, Govin, how will, um, you know, y'all have launched this website, which I think is a, it's a brilliant idea. How will the, the Skin Project measure the impact uh, and effectiveness of the website um, in, the, in this fight against human trafficking? Well, <laughs> you know, I don't think human trafficking is going to stop anytime soon. Right. Um, and neither will this website contribute to the stopping of it. Uh, I think what we can do is raise awareness, um, mm -hmm. and that is a very subjective uh, thing to measure, really. Like, you know, if we manage to change one person's mind of how they shop and how they buy things and how they interact with people, then we've done our job, which is exactly sort of what um, the the production did at the time. Um, one of the things that actually can be measured is, you know, hopefully in about a year or two, um, when we check back with the NGOs that have participated to see whether, you know, they've had a higher number of volunteers come mm -hmm. in or join and, you know, that would make us very, very happy. Yeah. Absolutely. So what do you make of the level of awareness among Malaysians when it comes to the issue of human trafficking? Because I think your story um, of how this whole idea came about is, you know, is very interesting as well. You talk about how, you know, you went down this, this sort of rabbit hole of questions when you just asked your bartender, you know, like, uh, you know, what were you doing before this? And, and then, you know, that opened a whole can of worms. Uh, you know, what do you think of the level of awareness among Malaysians? So, you know, it's a funny thing. When we were researching the work, um, it was based on um, this theory that how do you feel when you see someone drowning in front of you as opposed to someone drowning a few hundred kilometers away? Hmm. And when someone drowns in front of you, the reaction is often to jump in and help them. But when someone drowns a hundred kilometers away, you just go, wow, that's sad. Yep. And because there's nothing you can do about it. Right. So 
it's not just a Malaysian thing, it's a global thing. Mm -hmm. For a lot of us, because we don't see it, we don't know about it. You know, ignorance is bliss. Um, that's how human trafficking thrives, because we don't know and we don't want to know. Because if we know about it, then we've got to jump in. Right. So I think a lot of us have uh, not say tunnel vision, but kind of this thing like, I just don't want to know because then I don't have to do anything. And I can go about with my own life and I can sleep well at night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all of us are, I think, innately built this way. Obviously not all, but um, some often seek where they can help. Um, but most of us, uh, you know, just we just want to go about our everyday life and putting food on the table. Absolutely. So it's not, a, it's not a Malaysian awareness thing. I think it's a global awareness mm -hmm. thing. Um, and this is how the traffickers thrive because they know, because they prey on the weakest, they prey on the invisible um, because they know they're going to just be able to do it. And most of the time, you know, the saddest thing about human trafficking is that it happens in plain sight with people just walking past and mm -hmm. not noticing. And um, I guess what we try to do with this project is just get you to notice. Absolutely. And I think that's so important, right? What role do you think of in um, storytelling, art, artists like yourself, you know, um, what, what role do y'all play in when it comes to raising awareness, especially about social issues? You know, I think I often ask, people often ask, so are you guys activists, data makers? I said, no, we're not. We're just... You know, we just tell funny stories. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. I, I, um, I think, you know, all artists can do, all good artists can do is tell their stories, tell stories honestly and truthfully, um, not find stories to tell, you know. Right. Um, and, you know, or you can be passionate about a cause and you can want to do it, great. So, it, but ultimately, I think storytelling comes a good storytelling just comes from a place where stories that need to get told is told hmm. and um, and when that happens you get the best art because it really galvanizes the audience to to react to the art that is being told and this has happened throughout history um, across time mm -hmm. in different periods so yeah uh, you know and so to, to artists out there, if if you know when you when you want to stage a play or put on a create a work of contemporary dance or you know a giant public art installation, I mean I guess always ask why are you making this work now? Um, and it can be for the audience just needs to laugh, and mm -hmm. we thought we'd create something funny. Mm -hmm. Stand-up comedians do this all the time. Absolutely. The best stand-up comedians talk about. Um, the issues of the day and they give people uh, a very, I guess, a satired point of view. Right. Of like, you know? And so I think, I think the question, at least what Terry and the cast try to do is always with all our projects, why this work? Why now? And often when you go these two whys, you innately, it becomes about a social issue or mm -hmm. a social reason of why we want to create this work now honing in on the skin project specifically again what are the long-term plans I, I know you, you touched on it a bit uh, earlier but just to circle back to it now that the website is already launched what next so prior to covid 
um, the plan was to tour this work to as many cities in the world. And every time we go to a city, we'd work with the local NGO and we would kind of hopefully, you know, have a pool of NGOs that we would have all worked with. And, you know, the idea, the grand idea was to kind of create uh, anti-trafficking networking web, you right. know, of all the NGOs kind of being part of this work and sharing information. But that was before COVID when the show was just the show. Mm-hmm. Um, for the Skin Project, we realized um, that when we create the website, um, which is now focused on Kuala Lumpur, it was actually going to solve that problem of how do you engage an NGO in a different city more holistically? Mm. How do you engage the NGO or the idea of this project without going into financial ruin by trying to then bring the show and the whole thing? And and when when we flip back the question about actually what are we trying to do? Is it about Terry and the cars being this cool theater company that's traveling around the world in a shipping container? Or is it particularly for this project? We are a, hopefully a cool theater company that's traveling around the world <laughs> making theater. But for this particular project, it is about creating awareness. And right. then we thought the website is actually a much more sustainable version of the work to tour because mm-hmm. it just requires one person going, working with an NGO holistically for three months, gathering information, and then launching the Skin Project Amsterdam or the Skin Project Melbourne or the Skin Project New York. Um, And by doing this, we actually get to interconnect all the NGOs because they will all be on the one website. And ultimately, the next versions of this website would then interconnect the website. So you could be right. answering questions in Amsterdam and be trafficked to Kuala Lumpur just by a couple of clicks. Right. So in a way, it's kind of creating a universe mm-hmm. where um, our ultimate goal now is to, for the website to exist in one city in every continent. Mm-hmm. And uh, very recently, I was invited to uh, be at uh, the United Nations in Vienna to talk about this idea, um, where they are very excited about um, about this potential um, idea of this website ex- existing in one city in every continent. And so they have started to, um, discussions have started to happen for, uh, through the connections at the UN for me to sort of be introduced to different NGOs in different parts of the world. So that's step one, mm-hmm. you know, the website to exist in one city in every continent. That we hope will happen over the next two to three years. But ultimately, um, we hope that this becomes a global project that will then facilitate the creation of the Skin Project Hub in New York City, right. um, which will house uh, an experiential gallery right. and also the full production as an immersive show. So think about the 9-11 Museum, think about the Apartheid Museum. We want to create a space where, again, the same thing happens. You answer a few questions, you end up in the middle of Times Square, and from there you can go into four different shop fronts. One is a massage parlor, one is a cafe, one is a, a apartment show unit, and uh, one is a retail outlet. And through those labyrinths, you actually uh, see how your choices in Times Square actually take you all the right. way back to 
the Ukraine or India or China or um, our Mexico um, based on what your choices are. And then you come out in what is the other end of the labyrinth, which is the global part. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, you can you know go under a tunnel and go through a desert and get through a bus and come through a freezer. And then you're back at that cafe in Manhattan. Right. So that's the gallery space. So again, you know, something that will be open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. People pay $10, $20. They come in. The NGOs have a permanent base in New mm. York. People can go through this interactive gallery that we want to create and work with visual artists, filmmakers, theater makers in New York City to kind of create this big hub. And then in the evening, if you want to see the show, then you pay the show ticket money, and then there's an immersive. Right. Uh, then there's a there's a the immersive show that happens. So ultimately, we decided to go big or go home. Absolutely. So you know, to create a hub in New York City, the whole idea of this initial stepping stone with the UN is so that when it does happen, hopefully the opening will coincide with the UN General Assembly in September, when the people who can actually make a difference come to see the show because it's part of the cultural program that hopefully by that point we would have met all the right people to have incorporated this project because it is a UN-sponsored project. Because I don't believe that art can change the world. Hmm. What I do believe is art can change minds of people who can actually change the world. Right. So I thought, where do we find these people? They'll all be at the UN General <laughs> Assembly. And if they can come in and we take away their agency and we provoke them and we go, this is what's happening, hopefully then legislations can be made. Not just in Malaysia, but globally, and then hopefully things may actually start to change. So you guys have huge, lofty plans. Um, I think mean, that's fantastic. So with that in mind, how can um, either individuals or organizations, how can the public support you know this dream of yours right now? <laughs> Look, um, when you go on the skinproject.org, there's a little thing that says subscribe. Mm-hmm. All that does is basically gives us your email address, and we'll, one, keep you posted of where this project goes, but also know that one day we may came, come and ask you for support. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, yeah, it, it's just basically one of these things. We don't know how or why, but we spend all of COVID building, you know, like when you write a script for a play mm-hmm. and you spend time writing. And what we've done is we've written a blueprint for the hub. We've written a blueprint I mean, the show's already done and we've built a website. So all the raw elements are there and um, we are slowly creating a movement in a very organic way through the website, through the awareness campaign that hopefully by the time we get to 25 or 26, when these websites are all up around the world and we've managed to connect all these NGOs and all these communities, that we get a point where this lofty dream isn't that lofty anymore because Mm -hmm. the right people already backed the project. And at that point, you know, maybe we might need a bit more money or a bit more resources to get over the line. And, you know, if you've subscribed to our mailing list, we might go, hey, here's our Kickstarter (laughs) video or whatever not to kind of, you know, get this thing up and going. But, you know, I think any, any big shift must start with the first step. And this website is the first step in what we see as, um, you know, sort of a marathon to, to, to kind of really 
creating the kind of awareness that this issue deserves. Very, very exciting. Before I let you go, Govin, would you have a final message for us? I'll just visit the website, you know, click away and, um, yeah, find out how you've been contributing to human trafficking in Kuala Lumpur and then maybe, you know, do something about it. Absolutely. On that note, thank you so much for joining me today. No worries. Thank you. That was Govin Rubin. He's the director of Terry and the Cuz. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.